Welcome to the Drew Welch Project. All right, we are back for the first time. <laughs> Joining me is a friend of the show, a friend on Twitter, a friend in life, Woo! Mr. Savage. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. Glad to have you on. <laughs> this will be our first podcast, so let's see how it goes. Rolling right into the AFC East. Mm-hmm. So the Dolphins, one of the key things they did this season was they added a lot of players everywhere. We know that. But three of the players they added had one thing in common. Well, two of them actually had two things in common. <laughs> they came from the Bills or Patriots. Mm. And they are still relatively young and have a future ahead of them as free agents. All of that is kind of rare for the Dolphins to do. Mm -hmm. what, do you th what do you think about the idea of adding players like that? I think that if you can get them when they're still, you know, that <laughs> the mid-20s age and there's still good football to be played ahead of them, it's a great deal, especially for Miami being in the position that they were in. We needed to replace everything kind of needed to bolster every position on the roster. And if you can get some experienced players in there, it'll only serve to help the team moving forward with all the young guys coming in. And not to mention you get several, I guess, three players that already know the AFC East incredibly well. I would agree with that 100%. And I did. I also wanted to point out, we, there was kind of an underrated signing that flew under the radar, but it was one that caught my attention. Kamu Grugier-Hill, who's a linebacker, came to us from Philadelphia. However, he was originally drafted by the Patriots, so it's a little ironic. He also, you know, spent a little bit of – well, he spent an offseason with the Patriots. But the thing that's interesting about this guy, he's very fast. And, you know, not just for a linebacker. He's just fast in general. He ran a 4-4-5, 40-yard dash. That is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For a linebacker running a four four five, that's <laughs> that's some serious speed. That's fast either way. Excuse me. I'm not saying it's not fast. It's just <laughs> for a linebacker, that's extremely fast for that position. Exactly. Not to mention you factor in he's versatile. In addition to you know playing multiple positions on defense, he was also uh Back in 2017, the Eagles actually used him as their emergency kicker as Jake Elliott went out with a concussion against the Cowboys, and they used him for kickoffs, and he was able to kick it to the goal line. Wow. Perfect form and everything, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, last time I heard anything like that, I remember Chad Johnson did that. Mm -hmm. Their kicker went out, and he ended up kicking a field goal. Yeah, because he, he was a soccer player, too. Yeah. Other than that, Doug Flutie and the drop kick would be about it mm -hmm. that I can think of. I'm, I'm sure there's other if we Googled it, but. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> now, so, so that's a, a, a third one. And there's definitely a Patriots theme because two, two of the three they added from yep. the AFC East. You got Kyle Van Noy and you got Ted Karras, O-line mm -hmm. and D-line, which we know Brian Flores loves the trenches. That's right. If you saw him during the draft, the one time he smiled was when they drafted a DT. 
Yeah. However, was... I don't think he knew the camera was on. <laughs> yeah, no, see, he's trying to mimic that Bill Belichick style, you know, never show any of that, any emotion. Yeah, but at least he was actually there rather than his dog. <laughs> Although that made for an incredible cut on ESPN when they cut back to him. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I like that. That, you know, for him, you know, being completely evil, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it was a very, ironically enough, a very human moment. <laughs> but, uh, so I think one of the big keys to adding those three players is the third one being Shaq Lawson. Mm-hmm. So you got Ted Karras, Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson. You added two on your D-line and one on your O-line. Is that not only are you adding to your roster, and like you said, they're at that age, you've still got four, five, six years out of them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not at the end of their career. But also, you're weakening the opponent. Mm-hmm. So that's a hole they have to fill that you no longer have to. That's right. And I, I just think that thought process really helps. On top of that, two, two of them are coming from a program they're familiar with. As you mentioned, another free agent at least is familiar with what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Not and, to mention you factor in that they can kind of give you an inside look, I guess even more so than we already had with um, Brian Flores being the head coach, but you get an inside look at the Patriots' defense, how it operates, how it runs. It'll make it easier to attack on the offensive side of the ball. Very true. I mean, that's one thing we've seen from the Patriots for years is they'll pick up guys cutting the AFC East. They may or may not make their team, but they pick them up after training camp Mm -hmm. for at least a little while. I wonder why. Right. And I I actually really liked the Shaq Lawson signing. Shaq Lawson, former first-round pick, I think anytime you have a player who was a former first-round pick, regardless of if they ever actually lived up to that billing, if they become available and you're able to sign them, that's a great pickup for your team. Because it means you didn't burn that first round pick, but you get what was considered first round talent, you know? I agree a hundred percent. As long as they're not a total bust that you're just trying to rehab and you overpaid for, but that's not usually the case, at least not with what the dolphins are doing at this point. Exactly. Kind of off topic. Clowney is still out there as a free agent for all the people that were, we have to get Clowney. Yeah. I think he may be waiting until after uh, training camp, not have to go through it and then get to play. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how I feel about it. I, I guess what I've been maintaining this entire time is if you can get him for a good deal, then for sure, go sign that man. But, uh, I don't know if I would make it a priority necessarily. Well, being that the Texans didn't and neither did the uh, Seahawks, there's there's something there that we don't know very possibly, or he just wants too much. All right. Well, moving to the next topic, because we kind of exhausted that one, is AFC East QBs. <laughs> Hold on. Before we jump into that, I did want to make one more point on the uh, on that topic of like, you know, teams weakening other teams or trying to gain an, gain an edge on, you know, division rivals. Have you noticed what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have been doing in their division? Honestly, I don't watch their division as hard. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so not really. Check this out. So their main competition, you know, Seattle has been, well, they've been dominant for a better part of the last few years. And always, they've always played well on defense and they know how to play the other, you know, they know how to play the other two teams in their division. The ones that they did not know about was Arizona, who just completely overhauled their offense, remember? Yep. Now they brought in the whole air raid thing. They got Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And what I found to be interesting was that ever since that happened, now Seattle has been bringing in air raid quarterbacks. See, last year they signed um, Geno Smith who had previously played some air raid and was honestly called somebody had even thought of him as possibly the greatest air raid disciple that ever played. I, I can't confirm that, but I read that somebody had, had thought that he might be it. So they signed him to back up Russell Wilson. And then this year after the draft, they just signed Anthony Gordon. Who, of course, was that Washington State quarterback that I wouldn't shut the hell up about all season long. That is kind of interesting, though, that they're looking for QBs with that kind of mm -hmm. – I wonder if that would be to practice against or match up with. I mean, obviously, you got Russell Wilson there. Yeah. So, But having a backup that can kind of do the same would kind of make sense. I think that is probably a combination of both. You know, remember, we talked about this before. The strength of the air raid quarterbacks is, you know, what? Accuracy, usually, touch, anticipation, that sort of thing. So, I mean, they've got a skill set that can translate depending on how you coach them up. But at the same time, it does give you the opportunity to have a scout team quarterback who can emulate what you're going to be facing, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, yeah. you know, I didn't even realize Geno Smith was still in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I mean, it, it's, you know, to each our own. He's obviously gone further in football than I ever will. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when your biggest highlight is you stuck your finger in somebody's face and said, and there's nothing you're going to do about it, and they broke your jaw about it. Yep. <laughs> That's, That's a pretty special. <laughs> it is. That's it a is. special place to be. I think if <laughs> I think if he had maybe gotten drafted to any team other than the Jets, he might have had a better career. And we can say that about current Jet players too. <laughs> now we can use that as the segue into this this next topic: the quarterbacks. Yes, the AFC East quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They are going to be amazing. I agree. First I off. Let's oh, yeah. discuss the bane of our existence, as far as teams go, for the last 20 years. The uh -huh. Patriots. <laughs> no more Tom Brady. He is now the Dolphins' in-state rival, not an out-of-state rival. That's right. A toss back to you, Savach, in your survey. I, I appreciate that. As but a <laughs> As a reminder, Savage has his shows at Seriously Sports. You should definitely check it out. I've been there once or twice. I have to <laughs> sleep in the basement because my wife listened, but we're good. <laughs> but, uh, so let's move right back to the QB. Mm -hmm. Now we have Jared Stidham <laughs> or a young Seth McFarlane. We'll never, <laughs> we, we may never know. 
It's true. So I don't know a whole, whole lot about Jared Stidham. I can tell you that he's not exactly a world mover, and he's certainly not somebody who you're going to be shaking in your shoes over. But I think at this point now we've gotten to the place where we know Bill Belichick can win with any number of quarterbacks, and he's willing to adjust to accommodate them. Because remember, now we thought, as much as people want to argue, oh, Tom Brady, he was, he was the backbone of that whole operation. Let's not forget, when he was suspended for four games, New England still went on to win three of those four games. Very true. Also, with that, keep in mind, the year he went out because of the Brady rule, mm-hmm. the one year I sucked it up and picked him up in uh, fantasy football, by the way. <laughs> um, hate him even more. Oh, bad luck. But they won. They went. I believe ten and six or eleven five that year. Ten sure and did. six. Who was that? Matt Castle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Matt Castle went off, made a whole bunch of money. That mm-hmm. is, if I recall correctly, that is also the year the Dolphins won the division. Hmm. I'd have to double check that. Indeed. But if it isn't, I just want to mention that the Dolphins won the division. So either way, we're good. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the quarterbacks. So we've got Jared Stedham. We know nothing about Jared Stedham other than the system he's running in, which yeah. that is dangerous. But these are not the same Patriots we've dealt with for years. Nope. They don't have cap space. They don't have draft picks. They've been in win-now mode for two or three years. Yep. Nobody can argue the fact they've picked up some good fourth, fifth rounders, but a lot of that's been from trading down first and second rounders. And they just That's haven't right. had it. They haven't had as many of those. Mm-mm. So maybe, and let's face it, Tom Brady was frustrated as all get up about the wide receivers in the room because for whatever reason he could not connect with them. Right. Maybe didn't, matter, didn't seem to matter who they added to the room. It didn't seem to help. Yes, nothing seemed to go right there. Now was that you know Brady kind of at the end of his rope, mm-hmm. you know, and just done, or was that wide receivers that just don't click for whatever reason? I think combination of them, you know, I know at least a couple of them were rookies too. So <laughs> yeah, kind of a difficult situation all around. And as this, of course, he was going into the season, he didn't have Gronk. He didn't have just about any of his dependable weapons that he knows and trusts outside of Julian Edelman. Well, he didn't have Gronk. Mm-hmm. Then they signed Antonio Brown for the one game against the Dolphins. And that was that. funny and actually should stand to show how great Antonio Brown was. And I say was now because I don't know if his career is ever going to get started back up. I doubt any team really wants to take on that level of headache. But that's how great Antonio Brown was. He came in. He was there. He was on the team for like three days. Goes in. And what did he He caught like two touchdown passes, didn't he? Yes. It was not fun to watch from my no. point of view. Not at all. However, I think the future is looking much brighter, and we can enjoy a little bit more of that than the Pats have for us the last few years. I agree. So, there is no Antonio Brown now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did have – oh, what's that wide receiver's name? The one with all the uh, drug issues. <laughs> Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. <laughs> if he could ever get it together – He's a man amongst boys. He really is. He's a, he's a giant amongst men. Like, it's, it's absurd. You know, when he was on, holy shit. 
you couldn't you'd be hard pressed to find a more dominant receiver when he was actually there in the game you know 100% but then he just he couldn't stay off the drugs he couldn't stay on the field so when you're looking at Tom Brady those are the questions you have and that may be part of what was bugging Tom Brady and part of his chip was he had Josh Garden he had mm-hmm. Antonio Brown had Gronk yep now none of those and maybe that was part of what was eating away at him but yeah. Tom Brady was also Tom Brady. Jared Stidham, well, we'll see. See, here's the key with that, and I've always – I've kind of felt that way too. I can understand him getting a little bit distressed because, you know, it didn't. he didn't have the same dependable weapons that he's always had, but – and everyone was making it out to seem this way, but it's not like Bill Belichick wasn't trying to get him weapons because just like you said, he brought in Josh Gordon. He brought in Antonio Brown. They got uh, Muhammad Sanu. He drafted two receivers. Well, drafted a receiver and then signed a, an undrafted free agent. But he was trying. He was bringing in weapons. But yes. then, And then just like you said, this is Tom Brady. This is the same guy who with pundits on TV were saying, well, you could just pull any four guys out of the stands and Tom Brady will turn them into superstars. And it's like, well, <laughs> not anymore. Uh, he went on Maury, and the answer is no. <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Let's roll past Jared Stidham. Okay. So we see what he does or doesn't have. Hopefully exactly. not a whole lot. We've only seen him in the preseason, and that's, I mean, you, what, what can you really glean from that, you know? Yeah, he looked great against some other backups. Exactly. Now on to everybody's favorite, the Ghost Whisperer. damn darnold (laughs) oh man i would love to be be higher on darnold and i honestly would be if he didn't have adam gase as a head coach that i think is really the key to why i don't see the jets doing anything Mm -hmm. in the near future because honestly they drafted okay yeah free agents don't want to go there no, because everybody has seen it. Again, this is why I didn't understand why New York hired that man to begin with. You guys had a front row seat to that shit show down there in South Beach. Why would you want to bring that in? <laughs> and like, hey, you know what? We could stand for some of that. Come on up here. We'll always wonder that, just like I'm always going to wonder how Stephen Ross hired mm-hmm. both Mike Tadenbaum <laughs> and Coach Flores. <laughs> Right. Because Coach Flores, to me, is a very impressive coach. I couldn't be happier with Coach Flores. Agreed. How did you go from being that bad to hire Mike Tannenbaum yep. to making such a great decision? I can explain that. <laughs> See, Stephen Ross hired Mike Tannenbaum. However, Chris Greer hired Brian Flores. That makes perfect sense. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's true. Chris Greer was given the keys. That's right. Finally, after being general manager and title only and having to answer to Mike Tannenbaum for whatever reason, they finally cut him out of the equation. And look at that. Suddenly, everything got better. The light at the end of the tunnel is now shimmering. It's raining down gold on us, it seems. <laughs> well, part, part of what happened, too, with that is... Ross did make the decision to finally start running it as a linear operation as opposed to everybody at the top reports to me. 
Right. I mean, because Tatenbaum ran out Donna Ponte, who we see now works at a very high level of the NFL. Yep. So she's obviously highly respected. Exactly. I mean, she's the reason the Dolphins made all these bad decisions year after year after year, but they were never in trouble till Tannenbaum. Not to that level that Tannenbaum well, caused. All Tannenbaum knew how to do was give out, you know, huge contracts and overpay for people. Yes. I mean, McDonald was a prime example of that. <laughs> how about Indomitian Sue? Yeah, I, I, I'll give you Sue, but he didn't have to pay McDonald's yet. That's fair. Sue, at least there were people bidding. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We had, we, there was a war to be won, and they did it. I mean, I'm not saying that that Sue call was the best call ever. Exactly. But it doesn't, doesn't justify it, but. <laughs> I kind I, I can at least relatively see that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, still paying a defensive tackle who's leaving where he got drafted like a QB is still kind of crazy. But. It is wild, and somebody should have should have checked him on that. But, oh, well. Now paying him more than Sam Darnold or Josh Allen? That I agree with. <laughs> so the ghost whisperer dealing with Adam Gase and his two-yard offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's rough. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm, that was That's the thing. I would give Sam Darnold – I'd be way higher on him if it weren't for Adam Gase. My, my prediction, he throws for – 10,000 yards on 5,000 passes. <laughs> the two-yard offense. But, yeah, that's, there's just nothing there. I mean, and having Adam Gase as the, the quarterback whisperer who's never really <laughs> whispered to a QB other than uh, – he whispered to Peyton Manning, and Peyton said, oh, that sounds good. Audible. Exactly. Omaha. Court night. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was really – it was it was Peyton's offense. Yeah. And then we have Josh Allen. Let me just say this real quick. The Jets dropped the ball because they, they really should have hired um, – what was that man's name? Anybody else? Well, yeah, but specifically <laughs> <laughs> the dude that came from Green Bay. Why can't I remember his name now? Oh, Mike uh, – guy with Dallas now, right? Yeah. Well, when he was available, he had even stated out to the media publicly, the Jets job is the only one I will take. You're talking about a man, a head coach, Super Bowl winning head coach, who had helped groom Aaron Rodgers, had gotten the opportunity to coach Brett Favre. Why would you not hire that guy to help groom your young quarterback? Mike McCarthy. There we go, Mike McCarthy just seemed like an obvious choice to me but i i guess you know <laughs> who am i some fan well the G just recall the gm that was there got fired mm -hmm. but interestingly enough the uh adam gase is still there <laughs> yep the gase show continues and as I you were saying and i love it yep me too i'm enjoying every second of it and then we have probably the QB I worry about the most. Uh -huh. If he ever learns to stay within 10 yards when he throws over 40, uh, Josh Allen. 
That boy is remarkably talented. I mean, you know, howitzer for a freaking arm and shit, and he's also pretty mobile. Not to mention he is in the most stable situation outside of, say, New England in the AFC East because they have a good coaching staff in Buffalo. They do, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's that's really what's allowed him to excel to the level that he has. Now, is he going to take another step? That remains to be seen, but so far he's proven to be pretty formidable, at least with the team and the coaching staff that they have around him. And unfortunately, much like Jordan Phillips, especially against the Dolphins. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) For whatever reason, uh, I I can't recall the stats off the top of my head, but uh, Mm. Locked on Dolphins was talking about them. Kyle Mm. Krabs, good podcast. Give it a listen. Mm. Uh, Was talking about the fact and the stats, like a huge percentage of his stats for running are against the Dolphins. Oh, man. Now, with that, let's run it back a little bit. We could have done the same with the Patriots. Yeah. What do you bring in to help figure that out? The defensive end named Shaq (laughs) Lawson. That's right. Who's been across the field practicing from this man for a year. Two years. Two years. That's smart. Two years of a guy watching him kind of figuring out his tails, but also trying to kind of ignore him because it is still his, his job is to get to the QB, but not to kill the QB in practice. That's right. <laughs> like in the replacements, don't hit red. That's simple. Unless you're in the yeah. bar. Good yeah. teams don't hit the quarterback. At least exactly. not in practice. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, he comes in already knowing a little bit about Josh Allen, how he plays, where his weaknesses might, you know, helps us sort of craft a game plan for attempting to stop him. And I think that this new, newly revamped defense will prove pretty adept and pretty up to the challenge. Yep. And you got Van Noy's already fairly familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm sure there's wrinkles that Flores has that – haven't been seen yet for sure and he finally got all the toys he wants but i believe that defense is set up good for a qb like josh allen i agree got a lot of moving guys and uh, in fact uh, we we missed another one too that that came down from the patriots to join us the uh, landon roberts oh we did mm-hmm. another linebacker you are correct I know he doesn't play quite as much. He's more of a depth player, but that's what the defense is built on, though. Exactly. He plays both linebacker and fullback, interestingly enough, providing depth at both places. And then, of course, he's a core special teams player, which I think is most often overlooked part of a football team. Oh, yeah. I I, I 100% agree there because you run for one touchdown on special teams, you deflate a team. (laughs) Especially against Patriots. That's what you call a tide turner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just like like many other guys, sorry about that. What were you saying? Yeah, there's not a whole lot more we can say about Josh Allen other than over 30 yards. He can't hit the broad end of a barn. (laughs) I mean, with that said, over 30 yards, I can't make it that far. (laughs) 
So yeah. it's like, hey, I, I'll give him that. He's got a he's got he's packing a real cannon there, man. He is. It's uh, he, he kind of reminds me of Chad Henney. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's just he can throw that thing when it comes to the long ball. He can launch that thing forever. Actually, it's not really a good example, but they both had similar arm strength. Yeah, regardless, though, it's, it's amazing. And we see a lot of guys come out like that, and a lot of them don't end up becoming successful. But, that, yeah, that, that arm is incredible. Now, he can chuck it with the best of them. What a powerful arm. But the, 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 the key is, can he control it? Is, there going, is he going to develop a better level of accuracy when throwing it like that? You know, that that really is it is. And hopefully he never does. <laughs> see, but we will see. Now, I will say the one thing that they kind of hurt him on is because he tends to throw over his wide receivers is mm-hmm. they don't have any tall wide receivers. No, no, they don't. And they didn't add any. They added no. speed. <laughs> Devon Diggs is, is speed, but speed and agility. You still got to you- hit him. Yeah, you need somebody, especially when you're when your issue is that your your quarterback is overthrowing his receivers. You need to add big receivers. You add a guy like Josh Gordon. He's mm-hmm. not super fast, but you throw a 50-50 ball up there, he's going to hit it all day. But yeah, th- there's a good chance he'll come down with it. You need to bring in guys like that. You need tight ends. You need. I mean, that's what Carolina did with, with uh, Cam Newton because early on, Cam Newton had that same issue. He was overthrowing. So who'd they get? They had Kelvin Benjamin, big guy. And then uh, Greg Olson, that was the tight end's name. Now, I know yeah. Kelvin Benjamin didn't work out, but still, they added big receivers, big targets for him to hit. So it's like, okay, well, if you're going to, as long as you can put it within their range, they should be able to come down with it. Exactly, and that's the whole plan, is get, get something for your QB needs. I'm glad they didn't, but <laughs> if I was running things, that's what I would do, and that's what that's what Miami's done for whoever – well, not whoever. It's obviously yeah. Tua, yeah. but as Tua progresses, what do, what do they got? They got Preston Williams on one side. They uh-huh. got Devontae Parker on the other. Exactly. And then we have Gusecki. Man, you see? You see? <laughs> And then all all of our speed guys are the extras. Yep, and they can just turn the turn the game on you because you drop it off, they can they can go for it. Yep. So that brings us to our next topic, which is what Miami will be doing for uh, the rest of the season. Uh-huh. Going forward. They will be throwing the 50-50 ball. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is is heading out there as their starter, they're definitely going to be doing that more often than not. Agreed. Because you combine him and his play style with the receivers that we just mentioned, that's his play style. That's how he likes to do business. He is going to give you a shot. Yep. And he's hoping you make him right. Exactly. So, but I will, I will say it's a very risky way to play, but it does show faith in his receivers, and I think it goes a long way for establishing chemistry, you know? I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. So we will have 50-50 balls. The other thing we will have is pounding the rock. 
Now this I'm excited about. You know, it's it's been a while since we've actually had a sustainable run game in Miami. Since the Wildcat. That's right. <laughs> the Wildcat was the last time we really had a one-two punch like that, and it was the last time it ever really shined like that. Don't get me wrong. J.H.I. popped for a season. He was pretty good. The J-Train, we all got excited for a little bit, and then that derailed. And then Kenyon Drake just never really got off the ground. No, he didn't. And everybody else since, uh, not <laughs> so much. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Fitzpatrick was our leading rusher last year. That poor man. Right? Come on. Poor rich <laughs> man, but that poor man. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure he's not complaining. He's just happy no. to be here. He enjoyed it. Hell yeah. He was having fun. That was my favorite part about it. He may be a masochist. <laughs> I but, wouldn't be surprised. But he enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see him have that, that much fun playing. I mean, to have that much joy in your game at that age while you're getting a, the crap beat team, out of you. On a team like that. <laughs> Woohoo! 5 and 11, baby. That's pretty incredible. Says a lot about him. I can understand why they would want him in the locker room, you know? He loves the game. Exactly. But one thing I think we'll see is because they're going to be pounding that rock with, as Jason Taylor said it, big fat guys. Right? <laughs> Maybe he just said fat guys. I might have added big. Oh, who but knows? They are big. Adding those fat guys up front and then adding J Jordan Howard, they are going to pound that rock. And when you get tired of them pounding that rock, play action all day. Yep. And, I mean, if, you, if we're talking about when Tua's in there, that kind of plays right into Tua's skill set. That's the way he likes to play. Yep. You add a couple of screens to Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson in there. And suddenly you've got a, a very explosive high-flying offense. Because what do you stop, right? You pound the rock, so you got to start bringing the people up. As soon as they start filling that box, suddenly all these passing lanes are open. Kind of the nature of uh, Chan Gailey's offense, too, isn't it? Yep, that spread offense. Kyle Krabs did a, did a good piece on that as well. But first you, first you stop that, okay? Then you start eating them up in the middle. Well, once they start sneaking up, they're open down the field, and you let one of your guys fly. That's right. And as soon as you hit that one-on-one, -on -one, it's over. <laughs> there goes the battle there goes the neighborhood man <laughs> i can't wait to watch it man i'm so excited it's it's gonna be a blast you know what else is gonna be a blast hmm. fsu this year i am hoping so they have added several recruits but then they've also done a great job. Mike Norville, who is known for doing this, and did a great job at Memphis doing this, has added a lot of grad transfers. Interesting. From, from notable programs. Got a defensive lineman, Jarrett Jackson out of Louisville. Mm -hmm. Got a running back, which we know they need one because they lost a good one. Oof. In Cam Akers. That's right. A great one, if you ask me. And that running back comes from Texas A&M, which oh, wow. I can deal with weakening Texas A&M. 
Absolutely. Helps us out a little bit. Plus anything to make Jimbo's life harder, <laughs> I will always support. I'm sure you're not alone in that sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> then they added O-line from FIU. Ooh. Devontae Love Taylor. Damn, see that? From Purdue, linebacker Carnell Jones. Wow. From Baylor, defensive end Deontay Williams. And tight end Jordan Wilson from UCLA. Damn, see, I also read that we they, they picked up a couple defensive backs. Mississippi State. Uh, mm. What were their names? I'll have to relook those up because they were on – I had those listed. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it's showing me the old ones right now. Oh, dang it. That actually pulled up the site on that. Let's see. Okay, here we go. The newest Seminoles – grad transfers so those were all the ones they already had that have yeah. just recently transferred miko dotson a grad transfer defensive back at a florida atlantic yeah defensive back jerry and jones and defensive tackle fabian levette both transferred from mississippi state oh wow both with three years of eligibility remaining what the hell yeah. that's pretty wild so, I don't know what Mississippi State did, but <laughs> they weren't happy. Mm, you know what it might have been? I mean, they're, they're defensive players. They want to they go somewhere where they're actually going to play on a good defense. Unfortunately for Mississippi State, I don't know if it's unfortunate because I, I actually kind of like them, but they just hired a new head coach, none other than the air raid man himself, Mike Leach. And unfortunately, Mike Leach doesn't really coach defense. <laughs> or particularly care for it. Nope. He'd just prefer to air the ball out and score a lot. Which is great for quarterbacks and wide receivers, but not so much for the defense. So I guess I can understand them wanting to transfer somewhere where they'll get a better chance, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And going to Florida State always helps because we all love Florida State. That's right. Big program, prestigious, has name recognition. One of the biggest things I think Mike Norvell's done, and this is really where I've liked this offseason mm -hmm. as a Miami Dolphins fan and FSU fan. Yeah. The O-line. <laughs> yeah, right? As a fan, I have screamed about O-line on both my favorite teams for years. And finally, I have two coaches who agree Absolutely. at the same time. Exactly. And that's kind of rare, I feel like. <laughs> I miss it. Oh, nice. We had Shula and Bobby Bowden. We were spoiled. <laughs> and now we could be again. <laughs> Hopefully. Give me due. more emphasis on the trenches. I demand emphasis on the trenches. That is where the game is won. That is where the game is lost. I agree. It's a game of inches. You ever seen that movie, uh, Any Given Sunday? Yes, I have. Super empowered, impassionate speech by a um, character played by Al Pacino. Wonderful. And that's exactly his sentiment. It's a game of inches. And those are where the inches are, right there in the trenches. Absolutely. You move them back an extra inch or two, 
the running back gets that hole, he gets the extra yards, you win the game. That's right. Let's move on to the next topic. All right. Which is something I find hilarious, <laughs> that the NFL owners want to discuss lower salaries this year with players. That is pretty funny. So are we talking lower player salaries? I believe so. Because the salaries are all based off of the salary cap. Yeah. That was set prior to. And then the salary cap's kind of based off of what the NFL makes. Right. So I guess their thought process is, well, if we lower it now, then it won't affect us as much next year. However, seriously? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. That's where they're at. We have a problem with, with money that we haven't even experienced yet. We'd like to discuss cutting your pay. I guess like, well, hey, we'd like to get ahead of this. We'd like to get ahead of this by cutting your pay. Uh, I would like for that not to happen, sir. Right. <laughs> as a player, <laughs> as a player, I wouldn't, I would not be on board. But like, hell no, you guys, like, what, 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 why is that coming from us? <laughs> I mean, in baseball, it's a little bit of a diff, different situation. They've literally been affected. NBA, same thing. Yeah. Those I can see having that conversation. The NFL hasn't even started yet. Exactly. They may come out of this fine. Haven't even made it into training camp yet. So can we can we, can we hold off on this conversation, you know? Well, billionaires are going to billionaire. That's yeah, what they that's do. True. Yeah, I can't argue that. So then from there, let's clean up our last couple of things. Uh-huh. I was hoping to have some new news to talk about. I'm God, surprised we didn't. Yeah. No new sports news. God did not bless us with sports news today. Yeah. But, or yesterday. It's going to happen tomorrow. Probably. <laughs> and it will be epic, and we'll have missed it. Yep. By one day, because that seems to be how, we, how lucky we are. However, closest thing we've had to sports recently mm-hmm. is watching J.R. Smith kick the crap out of a white guy. Yep. breaking into his car while he was returning from peacefully protesting. That was pretty great. <laughs> that that was awesome. And the way he handled <laughs> it really was, too. He's like, I'm going to get ahead of this. I kicked the crap out of this guy. So this dude was trying to break into my car, and I whooped his ass. Just so before TMZ drops this story and the video leaks, y'all already heard my side. And I think that's the best way to handle something like that when it's legitimately not your fault. Agreed. Just get and, ahead of it. Because then, you know, you, you stop the narrative from being twisted in any, in any direction other than the truth, you know? Exactly. And I want to be 100% clear here. I Please understand do. his car is insured and so is mine. Mm-hmm. Same result, only I may not fight as well. <laughs> I may actually lose the fight, but we're still going to fight if you're breaking my car windows. Absolutely. Oh, I'm kicking somebody's ass. or at least Yeah, it's on. I'm, I'm swinging for the fences, Adam, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going down without a fight. I'm 40 years old. I'm going to hurt for two weeks. Yep. But you're not going to break into my car with me oh. sitting there. I'm going to make sure you're hurting too, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> if, if it went really bad, I'm biting your freaking ankle. But we're going. Right? 
See, I don't know. Everybody wants to wants to try and fight fair. I, I don't believe in that. In a fight, there are no rules. So chances are I'm going to kick your square in the balls to start. Yeah, I mean, if you get hit with a – once a fight starts, you get hit with a brick by surprise, you should have been prepared. Exactly. It's a fight. There are no rules. <laughs> there are no rules. That's why I don't fight. <laughs> if it comes to that, I'm, I, I love me some me. Thank you. T-O. I agree. Yo, explain that one well. I love me some me. me. <laughs> and yes, if you have popcorn, I will eat it after the whooping. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, that's funny. So finally, steak sauce. <laughs> the Shula steak sauce, right? The Shula steak sauce. You ever try it? I have not. Have you? It is delicious. Really? Go to Publix. Oh, it's there? Yes, it is. Well, damn, man. I've been missing out this whole time. Give it a try. I am very disappointed in Dolphins Nation. They picked... Okay, we still have a few hours left to vote. Nobody's going to hear this before then. <laughs> but uh, we've got three hours, 54 minutes left to vote. Uh-huh. 165 people have voted, mostly Dolphins Nation, because that's who I follow and connect with. Yeah. Number one on the list of steak sauces, A1. Oh, my God. 56%. Dude. However, number two, we got this in the limelight, is Shula steak sauce at 27%. Okay. And I'm going to say a lot of people who put A1 have never tried Shula's. They must not have. It is delicious. Give it a shot, man. I will. I'm just that. That's so. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of blown away by that, though. A one, really. But I guess that's that's because it's lowest common denominator. You it's know, kind of like Bud Light. I, exactly. More people drink it. Yeah. Uh, I drink Bud Light sometimes, so I'm not gonna say much. I will drink Bud Light. You know, it's not my preferred, but <laughs> I'll drink it if that's what's available. So after that, ketchup came in with 11 percent. Wow. And with 6%, Heinz 57. I can't, dude. I can't. <laughs> so let's oh. just catch up, finish the head of Heinz 57. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> well, I, I will say there was a significant amount of outrage in the comments about one or two other steak sauces and also about you should never put – steak sauce on your steak or you've ruined it and you're a horrible person well here i i can i can see both sides of the argument because on the one hand i can i can agree that steak sauce if your steak is properly cooked you probably shouldn't need steak sauce you know what i mean yes but then on the other hand it's steak sauce it's made specifically for steak i go both directions Mm because Sometimes I like my steak sauce. I do the same thing. I'll have my uh, brisket. I'll put barbecue sauce on it sometimes. Sometimes I won't. Ooh, delicious. De- depending on how I cooked it. Yeah. Because what I, what I love to do with a brisket is put it in the night before and let it cook slow overnight. Ooh. I've got what we call a fake wood smoker. Okay. We call it fake because it's actually electric and you just put the little things on the side. So my son's like, that's not a real <laughs> smoker. I'm like, I agree with you. <laughs> But it was on sale for 20 bucks. I gave it a shot and it works. Yeah, it's like, so it's not the point. Doesn't matter. <laughs> does it taste like pecan smoke? Yes, it does. We're good. Yep, exactly. Stop nitpicking. So, 
before we hit the lightning round, I'll hit you with an extra bonus question. Okay. Marinade or sauce, and then which one's your favorite for a steak? The marinade or sauce? Ooh. I'm going to go with marinade. Because me, it's all about the cooking. It's all about preparation. So you, you come up with a great marinade, and I, I like to make my own, you know, and I get really creative in the kitchen. So I think marinade's definitely the way to go, because if you do a good marinade, then chances are you won't need sauce. I agree 100%. So on to our finale, the lightning round. All right, let's get it. Favorite Dolphins player of all time? See, now that one I struggled with, and I still, I'm still struggling with. Not 100% sure who I would go to, but I've got a few people, okay? So bear with me here. So taking into account, I am, I, uh, I am 28 when I started watching and really becoming fully invested in, in the Dolphins and their games. So just to clarify, you started with Madden and then moved on to being a fan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I guess it, it kind of goes back and forth. <laughs> but, I, but I started probably way later than, you know, a lot of other people. So that factors in. My first jersey, let me start there. My first jersey was a Zach Thomas jersey. And so I really loved Zach Thomas. He was probably my favorite for a while. Also loved Jason Taylor. Uh, Ricky Williams always held a special place in my heart. And then I also have to give it up for that running tandem from back in the 70s, Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris, the combination of them, I mean, it's absurd, you know? Agreed. And those are my favorites without naming, you know, Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Larry Zonka, my favorite story of him was he, he got the uh, roughing call mm -hmm. as a running back because he punched a guy in the head. How interesting. Unnecessary roughness? Unnecessary roughness by an offensive player. I guess it was like, in an actual play, it's the only time it ever happened. Wow. So, I, it was something along those lines. They were talking about it because it actually was a record of some sort. Oh, wow. I was watching one of the Shula specials, and Shula was <laughs> like, you know, it shouldn't have been a penalty. It was a stiff hand. It was a fist. <laughs> it's like he just happened to throw a fist. What's the big deal? All right, so on to our next one, and this could be most memorable moment or okay. your favorite Dolphins game watching the Dolphins. Week three of the 2008 season. That was, you know, when we were really the first time we had deployed the Wildcat against the Patriots. That was a truly eventful game. That was a really fun one to watch, and I was ecstatic through the whole thing because it it was, not, it was more than just beating the Patriots in Foxborough. It was how befuddled they looked, how confused and disoriented they were. You know, we really saw the Patriots out of their element because they were disheveled. They were arguing with each other. And, hell, even Bill Belichick, who never shows any emotion, was pissed off because what do you do? They had no answer for it. The Wildcat was just running all over them. <laughs> That was actually that, – that game's kind of funny. I remember that game very vividly <laughs> from the second quarter on because I was picking up a lawnmower, and I had honestly – it had been after 2007. I was not expecting much. Mm -hmm. And I'd watched, you know, first couple of games, and we were going to Foxburg. 
And I was like, eh, I'll, I'll catch the second half. But I'm not, <laughs> you know, let's, yeah, I just can't. You know, yeah. so I was picking up a lawnmower from my buddy's uncle. And he, he called me on my cell phone. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'll meet your uncle's house picking up that mower we're talking about. He's like, you're not at the house. You always watch the game. I was like, yeah, but I mean, it's the Patriots. <laughs> I, I, and he's a, he's a Tampa Bay fan. That's that funny. tells you that tells you how impressive this game was. So he called me. He's like, "You need to go to your house now. <laughs> you should probably go home and watch this." I was like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah, go to your house." I, I was like, "What's happening?" He says, "Well, Chad Pennington just caught caught a pass for a touchdown, <laughs> or caught a pass or something." I, I, somebody will Google it and figure out yeah. if it's passed for a touchdown or whatever. But like, I don't know, man. Crazy crap is going on. He's Get like, back to your house. <laughs> you've never seen anything like it. Ronnie Brown is now your, your quarterback. It's <laughs> like, what? He's like, exactly. he's your quarterback now. <laughs> and oh so, so I went home and watched the rest of the game, and that game was beautiful. Now, I had it on DVR, so I, have, I still got to see the beginning. Awesome. But that was a beautiful game. I, I really remember that one. One of my favorites all time, too. Mm -hmm. All right. So on to the next one. Favorite meal. Anything barbecue. Specifically, now this is, <laughs> is going to get pretty funny here because, you know, I uh, now, of course, I'm half black. My black side of my family, all soul food, going out there. It's incredible. And I always grew up, my dad was always the grill master, you know. And he would always cook up the ribs and stuff. And he had a special penchant for mixing sauce. And so he had a special sauce and it was delicious. So you get a plate of ribs, some, let's say, mac and cheese and cornbread and collard greens. That is my all-time favorite meal. Ah, uh, collard greens. Yes, sir. <laughs> good, good collard greens out of an iron skillet is the requirement, I, though. I can tell you, you've lived in the South. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a requirement. Yes, sir. That's how you figure out if there's Yankee spies. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's good. <laughs> okay. Oh. Favorite sports movie. Ooh, so this one also had me had me caught up for a second. So I had to I had to divide it up because as far as like let's say out of my favorite football movies specifically, it would either be The Longest Yard, that's the remake, not the original. I haven't seen the original. I'm sorry to anybody, you know, any purists out there. Or uh, The Water Boy. It's funny because they're both Adam Sandler movies. But as far as sports movies in general, Coach Carter, hands down, Coach Carter. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson, one of his best performances. So many quotable lines and such a powerful, moving picture. It was so well done. It had to be that one. <laughs> By the way, if you were ever given a spirit leader on your quest, you uh, you picked Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I read that, and I hadn't responded yet, but I literally thought Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> He would be my number two. He would definitely be my number two. <laughs> I mean, can, can you imagine him? He's just not getting it. What? And we all know the letter's coming out, but I'm, I'm going to stay away from cussing this time after the last time. <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying our best, right? I'm sorry. I already did a few times tonight. <laughs> no, we're good. All right. So 
right after that, let's go into who's the best QB ever and why did you pick Dan Marino? <laughs> you can't get any better than Dan Marino. I'm sorry. I know people want to make the argument because of his, his, uh, his accolades and you know, the lack of championships, but as far as pure passers go and people being able to effectively play the quarterback position, who could you say is better than Dan Marino? No one. Exactly. I just, I, I can't seem to find that person. And, you know, I've watched a lot of different quarterbacks. I've watched, you know, but from like looking at all of them, it's hard to imagine pulling any of those quarterbacks out of their situations and putting them into another one and still getting the same results. Marino, I think, is one of those guys that you can. No matter where you drop him, he will ball out. Pick a guy, let it fly. Thank you. Oh, that was good. It was real good. <laughs> well, it's a Dan Marino quote. He actually told it to Chad Henney. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, his arm, the time he was doing it in. Yeah. There weren't the rules there are now. They could blow wide receivers up when he was doing it. They could, Yeah, not only wide receivers, they could blow up the quarterback. In yeah. fact, that's what they were trying to do. Goodness, if he was able to play with today's rules, he'd be throwing for like 10,000 yards in a single season. His, his shoulder probably would have blown out by the, the fourth <laughs> or fifth year from just throwing that much with the rules they have now. Right. It would be absurd. It wouldn't even be fair. Because, I mean, the, just the velocity he used to have on that ball. It was ridiculous. And he was so tough. They don't make him like that anymore, man. Not to sound like the old man or anything, because I know it's funny to say that, but but they just don't make him like that anymore. The way he would just take over the offense and tell people, and oh, I, I bet a few guys when he first started were kind of pissed off the way he'd speak, but I'm results sure. never lied. That's exactly it. Look, man, you'd be surprised. People will let a lot of things slide if the team is winning. Yes, they will. And we got really used to that, and we got spoiled. Yep. So much so that the team didn't even bother preparing for life after Marino. They just figured, you know what? We're great enough. We'll be able to coast right out of this. No problem. <laughs> With no, hardly any first-round picks for the next, like, seven years. We'll yep. Joke was on us. So, last question. Your favorite vacation spot? <laughs> I guess – it's a little funny to, to have that question, you know, or to ask that question to somebody who lives in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's like both two things are, are correct. You know, the entire state basically is a vacation destination and, you know, life every day here is almost like vacation. But I guess if I were to pick one place in particular, it would be a toss up between Southern California and up in the mountains in Tennessee. Very different places. Exactly. Well, see, it's I love them for different reasons. You know, we went up to uh, Pigeon Forge in Tennessee. It was a beautiful place. We got a little cabin and stuff. And uh, it was really, really nice, you know, fresh air. And you're up in the mountains and with the trees and stuff. And we like to do a lot of hiking and stuff. But then part of me, I guess that's probably the Floridian in me is like, how can you name a va favorite vacation destination and not pick a place with a beach? You know? Fair. I can't argue that. 
I love mm-hmm. the beach growing up. Yeah. I was there every other weekend. Likewise. See, and that kind of fuels my, my decision-making there. <laughs> That's essentially what my, what my actual jobs were for was I, you know, would save up for two weeks and we'd go to the beach. I'd blow everything I had and then we'd do it again <laughs> two weeks later. <laughs> oh, that's funny. See, I grew up uh, kind of close to the beach, probably roughly a half hour or so. And so, um, you know, that was it. During, during the summertime, we were at the beach all the time. And then during the school season, this fun is school season during the school year we'd go <laughs> we'd go up there on the weekends you know yeah i grew where i grew up in north when i lived in north carolina mm-hmm. we were about a half hour from the beach then we moved down there after my dad got out of the marines to florida right on and in florida we're about two hours from the beach but that's still i mean that's nothing especially as a teenager right so i mean we'd load up on friday come back on sunday just have a blast that's rad that's and that's back in the days when you know you could still find a like 20 dollar roach motel yeah and and i would actually stay at a 20 dollar roach motel Uh, (laughs) times have changed a little bit yes sir yes they have i'm a little older now i need a uh an actual mattress (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, we thank you for joining us. Hey, I want to thank you for having me. Been really fun. I hope you I hope to come back again. You will always be invited. <laughs>